Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, hey, everyone. Again, Pastor Mark here. Just so glad you're with us. Hey, as we're going through the sermon today, feel free to comment to your host, ask questions. If you need prayer or something just really strikes out at you, let them know. They want to talk with you. They want to engage with you. And definitely as you're joining in, or if you haven't let them know already, let them know you're there. They love to know that they're not just talking to, uh, to anonymous people out there. They love to get to know you and uh, get connected here at the Valley Church. Well, that video was just about our series that's going to be launching in a few weeks on February 14th. It's called The Almighty Dollar. And so this series is going to be about money. It's going to be about that thing that God created that's good, that can make a lot of difference in the world, that he's given and trusted to us, and the money and possessions. But it also, as I'm sure you know, can create issues in your relationships, can create a lot of stress in your life, and all kinds of different things that God actually did not intend for it to do. And so we're going to look at what it takes to redeem what God has created with money and with possessions. So I think it's going to hit us all in some form, shape, or fashion. It's something we all deal with, we can all relate to, no matter where you are on your faith journey. There is money in your life, or there's lack of money in your life. You wish you had more money, but nevertheless, uh, we're going to just dive into that and see what uh, God's Word has to say about that. Well, today we're going to tackle a topic that... um, is frankly an issue that the church hasn't really done much teaching on. Uh, We are wrapping up this series, Be True to Ourself. We're going back to the book of Genesis and unveiling truth and revealing truth. And and the topic is on the environment. Um, It's one of those that there's not a lot of sermons out there on that. There's not a lot of sermons talking about what our responsibility is, what's, what's What's the Christian view, someone who's a Jesus follower, supposed to be of the environment? In fact, there was a a LifeWay survey done, an organization, a Christian organization, that said that 49% of pastors, essentially 50% of pastors, have never or very little talked about the environment and the Christian responsibility for the environment. So I'm not one to shy away from things, neither is God. Actually, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, he says this very early on. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it and get this, to take care of it, to take care of it. Didn't take God very long to lay out some level of expectation that humanity and humans were supposed to have when it came to the environment. Now, I'm just going to be frank and I'm going to be raw with you. This is not an area that I feel I've done a good job at. Um, I don't think it's something that's on my mind as much as it should be. Um, I've been guilty uh, of kind of seeing how some can take environmentalism to almost like a new age spirituality. And there's been times I've kind of just grouped that all together saying, well, that's worshiping the creation, not the creator, and that's just wrong. And, and then kind of don't do anything about it. Um, in fact, um, I haven't really done a good job personally or in, as pastoral leader ca- helping people capture God's agenda. What is God's agenda? Do we, have you asked that self, yourself that lately? What's God's agenda for his creation? Because I had not. And uh, for the last X number of months, God's really been speaking to me more about this and challenging me with it. 
In, in our, my view, actually, I don't think our generation would get a straight A for how we've handled the environment or how we stewarded this planet. Uh, but I am happy that there is a groundswell of people who are capturing this, who are passionate, really passionate about the environment, really passionate about um, conserving the environment, taking care of the environment, and leaving this world in a, in a better place than they found it. And, and frankly, through their efforts, and maybe some of you who are watching right now, that is your passion, and you felt that the church has just misunderstood you, uh, has been maybe just cynical towards you, or flat out just be- mean, uh, let's just call it, call it what it might be, towards you because um, they didn't latch onto this. They thought that you were just more interested in caring for plants than you were for people or whatever the case might be. But because of you and because of others like you, uh, the awareness of the environment, the conversation about the environment has kept going up and up and up. Um, There's just a lot of people who are saying, you know, we have to turn this around. We have to do something about what's going on with God's creation, whether you're framing it in God's creation or you're just looking at it in a metaphysical sense as far as the world, um, you know, some are, some are motivated by spiritual values and motivated by things that I was not leaning into that the Bible tells us to. Uh, some are, are motivated more out of um, other, other areas. Maybe it's abuse, uh, what they've seen, uh, abuse of the, of the planet. Um, others are just motivated uh, by good old common sense, right? The fact that, um, well, shouldn't we take care of this like we live here and other people Hopefully for centuries beyond we'll live here. So, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of different reasons. But in fact, I personally, and uh, I don't know where all of you are who are watching, but I personally had to repent. And that repent doesn't necessarily mean it's a sin issue, although it definitely could be. But the word in the Greek in the New Testament for repent literally means a change of heart or a change of mind. I, I asked God, would you renew my mind and give me the mind of Christ? Would you give me your thoughts and views on this through your word and what your Holy Spirit speaks into me? And so I did what I always try to do when I feel I'm missing the mark. Uh, I'm not quite aligned maybe with what God wants or I see what's happening uh, that other people are doing that I'm not. So I go back to the Bible. I think that's actually a good practice for all of us. Maybe someone give a thumbs up emoji if you're on Facebook with us. But we need to go back to the authority. I've been saying that through this whole series. If you missed the previous weeks, I encourage you to go watch them on demand on Facebook or on YouTube because that's what we've consistently said is that we cannot create our own theology. We cannot create, this isn't like our own uh, world where we are the, the king of the universe. There is one king. And it's God. And that scripture must, I'm going to say this very clear, scripture must be our authority. It must be where we start. It must be where we go in the middle. And it must be where we're in. So I did that. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. Again, at the very beginning here, verse 28, you'll see it on your screens. God blessed them, being Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful. In other words, have a lot of kids and increase in number. Fill, now get this. And he said, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. The the word subdue or the phrase subdue it means to bring into conformity with the behavioral standards. You know, subdue is not to lord over. Subdue is not to, to crush, right? 
but to bring it back into the standards or conform how it's supposed to be. Here's a really basic example that I think all of us would agree, no matter where we are on the environmental continuum, is when vines overgrow, you cut them back. That's subduing them. That's keeping them from taking over. Or trees get into power lines or trees get into other areas where they can cause damage or harm or or that it's going to fall on a house or something that could you know, kill or injure people, we cut those back. That's part of what he's saying here of subduing it. We don't diminish it, but we put it back into the order that it needs to be. In this case, some cases, just for safety. And then he says this, roll over. Okay, So roll over inherently has with it what authority, right? Some level of authority, uh, and when we roll over, we bring it back into order. We roll over it, we have authority over it, and we bring it back into order. Not in an abusive kind of way, but as parents, right, we roll over your children. We're called to be in leadership or, um, or authority over our children. Now, that means if you're a parent who's following biblical principles and just basic common sense, is that you're not lording that over them but you are helping them, and you're not being abusive to them, but you're keeping them in order. You're keeping them in a place where it stays safe. You're, you're taking care of it. You're just simply taking care of it. Now, what's really interesting is, in the first couple chapters of the Bible, it's God's creation account, right? It's how he put things into place. And then shortly thereafter, the fall happened. Sin entered this world through the rebellion of Eve, Adam and Eve, and it would have, if it wasn't them, it would have been me, but rebellion happened. We turned away from God. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, when that saint always attacks our identity. We're most vulnerable at our identity, and that's what he did. Sin entered the world. So God's perfect creation I mean, so I would encourage you to go back and just slowly read chapters 1 and 2 before sin enters the world. You see how, well, God himself said, and it was good. It was good. Everything he created was good. The level of goodness, I think, because we live in a fallen world, which after sin entered the rest of Scripture, rest of humanity now, we live in a fallen world. Things are broken, right? Things are decaying. Things are not getting better in and of themselves, but then what's really fascinating is if you jump to the very end of the Bible, like the bookmarks of the Bible in Revelation 21, God talks about that he's going to restore everything back to how he created it. And so I'm going to read, it won't be on your screen, but I'm going to read uh, one of the great passages of Scripture that gives so much hope. It's Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. This is the last, cha- last chapter of the Bible. And uh, John, the Apostle John, who's an an exile on the island of Patmos, who received this vision, says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people. And God will himself be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And it goes on in verse 5. It says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Notice this, right? It is the culmination of all things. I am making everything. Everything. Well, what's everything include? Not just humans, 
but everything. So often we talk about heaven, right? That there'll be a heaven. But when we read through scripture, we see that not only does God promise that there's going to be a new heaven, but there's going to be a new earth. Now, that, the new earth is not talked about that much, and I don't totally know, none of us totally know what that's going to be. I think there's going to be some meshing between heaven and earth, the new heaven and the new earth. But he's going to, get this, he's going to put it back the way he originally designed it. See, God is not good with the earth decaying as it is. He's not good seeing how things are falling apart. He's not good with people ignoring his creation. He's not good with things, unclean drinking water and uh, things, sanitation, so poor. He's not, he's not good with that. How do we know that? Because he says he's not going to leave it this way. He's going to bring it back the way it was in the beginning. Isaiah 50, 65, 17 tells us this. Behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. Acts 3.21 tells us this. He must remain in the heaven, being Jesus, until the time comes for God to restore what? To restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. See, when I read that text, those verses, and I read Revelation 21, and I see that he wants to bring everything new. I think, folks, we have to look at, I know I do, maybe I'm speaking for myself, those looking at, those who might wear the Save the Planet t-shirts, or whatever the case might be, I need to look at them with a new appreciation. See, we need to convey that we, if you're a Jesus follower today, that we are concerned about the environment. Why are we concerned about the environment? Well, because it's God's creation. He made it. He made it good in his own words, not Mark's. In his own words, he said, this is good. This is good what I made. And then the fall happened and things broke down. Things deteriorated. Things got worse. And because we are broken, because we are sinful, we can have an inclination not to play a role in seeing things restored. The World, the World Wildlife Fund said this, almost a billion people lack, lack access to safe drinking water and 2.6 billion lack adequate sanitation services. See, we can't pick and choose what's important to God. God chose what's important to God. And there, these passages, ones I'm going to look at throughout the sermon today, tell us that God is pretty serious about his creation. Now, I think one of my challenges is, is that I am so passionate about seeing people come to know Christ. I am so passionate about seeing people then discipled and growing in their walk. That's why we talk about group life so much. That's why we talk about serving online or if people are on site. That's why we talk about taking steps of faith. That's why we talk about things like Alpha, so that people have questions. If you have questions about faith, about God, about Christianity, that you can get those answers. There are answers to your questions. And so we're passionate about multiplication and starting new churches and reaching new people. And I think in the midst of that, and that's a good thing, but God reminded me that there's also other parts to his mission. There's other things that others are passionate about. And actually redeeming creation, taking care, because we are stewards, right? As he told us in, in um, as he told us in Genesis chapter 2 that I read at the very beginning, that we are to take care of this. This is the only earth we get until he makes a new one. And so if we don't take care of it, there can be 
ramifications. The other thing he reminded me as I prepared this sermon, and I, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me about this, is this statement. This is kind of my bottom line today. You'll see it as you watch. But it says, I said, the core of Christianity is resurrection. The resurrection of everyone and everything. That is the core. That's the best news ever, right? That a guy died who was the Messiah, but he defeated death and he rose from the, the, the resurrection of Jesus. It's not the death of Jesus that makes Christianity Christianity. All the other world religion leaders have died. The thing that separates Christianity and Jesus from every other world uh, um, religious figure is that he rose again. He was resurrected. He defeated death. But as I got thinking about this and as the Holy Spirit really impressed on me, that's, what, that's the core of Christianity. The core of Christianity is what Revelation 21 just said, he will make all things new. It's a resurrection faith. It's a resurrection of marriages. It's a resurrection of, of breaking from sin. It's a resurrection of healing here on earth, maybe in, in, in heaven if it's not here on earth, but it will happen. Things will be resurrected. Jesus is resurrected. The same goes for his creation. He told us that at the very end, through those passages in Isaiah and Acts and Revelation I just read. And it also then tells us that we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to keep bring this world as well as we can back to how God designed. And definitely to keep it from getting further and further away from his design. So I do believe, actually, that there is a connection between resurrection theology and responsibility for the environment. Think about it this way. If we don't take care of the environment, if clean, unclean drinking water continues with bacteria and all kinds of things that are lethal, if we continue to let that happen, if we continue to pollute the air, if we continue to pollute the water supply, 70% of this world is covered in water. If we continue to do those things, as I'm going to mention a little bit earlier, it always affects the poor first. And it will, and it always does, and it has. Disease is running rampant. A lot of times due to poor sanitation methods or unsanitary environments, people will die. And they'll die sooner. And they might die without having an opportunity to hear about Jesus or an opportunity to see their life resurrected. That's how it does correlate between environment and one's personal or humanity's resurrection. The other thing is this. One of the, the burdens for me is I don't want to become like Western Europe and some other parts of this world that are uh, so far post-Christian. I've said it before, I'll say it again, I believe we in America are in a post-Christian nation. I don't think it's in the future, I think it's here and now. And there's so many people who are so lost and, I, and there's a lot of people who are so passionate, again, some of you are watching or maybe you have relatives who are so passionate about the environment. And they're so turned off by Christians. They're so turned off by the church. They've been so turned off by the mockery made of environment, uh, environmentalism. And my prayer, that really bothers me, number one, but why we're addressing this and why I feel God, the Holy Spirit's really spoken to me about this is, we want you to know, number one, we're sorry on behalf of all believers for if, if, if you've been hurt by someone who calls the name of Jesus but is treating you poorly. And secondarily, we want to know that you're doing the right thing. You're doing what God and what those passages of Scripture, what the Bible says, you're doing what the Bible says. But then we really want to help you see that it doesn't happen just because of 
doing responsibility that actually starts with a relationship. And now that relationship with Jesus Christ that he so desperately desires, that's what's going to resurrect your soul. That's going to resurrect your heart. And then out of that, you will continue to fulfill his mission, probably even in bigger ways than you could ever ask or imagine. I'm going to do a little drawing here that maybe will put this into perspective. In in our life, we kind of have like a three-legged balance going on. And, and that, I'll just draw a triangle to explain that. And, and up here, we have what I would call the up and the in and the out. There's an up dimension. These are three different dimensions that we have in our life. And when one of these dimensions is off, all of life can be off. The, and the up dimension would be God. That's the up dimension that we're all to be leaning into. The in-dimension is with other followers of Christ, being in relationship, even if you're not a follower of Christ yet, but being around people who, who uh, are applying biblical principles and who uh, want to see Jesus be the leader of their life. Or if you are a follower of Jesus, you're with other followers of Jesus. And this is all about relationship, okay? These are all about relationships. But then out here, there's the world. There's mission, right? There's the mission, the things of taking care of the environment, of, of, uh, of taking care of orphans, of taking the care of the homeless, of, of feeding the hungry, of all those things, right? You know, helping kids that are, you know, breaking the sex trafficking thing and getting that, you know, taken care of and bringing those kids back to safety and, and all these different things, right? So many different missions. And this out component is all about responsibility, all of us have a responsibility. Now, here's what happens. Last week, and if you missed this, I so encourage you to go check this out. But on the side of relationship, we drew a triangle. I'm going to draw it again. And we said this triangle represents a covenant. Covenant is another word for relationship. God instituted this covenant in Genesis chapter 15 with Abram. Okay, who was then renamed as Abraham as he found his identity, and I'll get to in a second. But he walked the blood path. God walked the blood path for us to establish that relationship, to let us know how serious he was about this relationship, that he wouldn't break the relationship. And then Jesus subsequently finished and brought it to finality by walking to the cross and dying on the cross, the final blood path. And this covenant always starts with the Father. Okay? That's how the relationship works. God designed us to be in relationship with the Father. And then when we know the Father, just like in Mark chapter 3, when Jesus comes out of his baptism and the Father says to the Son, this is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased, he speaks identity into us. He speaks words of identity. The Bible speaks words of identity, that he delights in us, that he's proud of us, that he loves us, that we're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And then out of our identity, we obey. Out of identity comes obedience. And notice that this always has to happen. Relationship always has to precede responsibility. And this is maybe where some of you have, have really focused on responsibility, but there's no relationship with God as part of this, and it's not how God designed it. Now, on the other side, we have responsibility. And again, I'm going to stay with this nice triangle theme. It's about the only shape I can draw well if that's possible. And on the responsibility side, in this case, over here, God is our father. On the responsibility front, he's the king. Why? 
Because I said last week, and again, you want to, I really encourage you, if you missed last week, go check it out. I said that the Bible is like, like DNA. It has two strands. And those two strands that go throughout the Bible are covenant and their kingdom. And kingdom is about responsibility, and covenant is about relationship. And in a kingdom, everyone would agree with this, no matter where you fall in the, understanding the Bible or believing the Bible, in every kingdom there's a king, Okay. And then a king can give those who are his subjects, those who are in his kingdom, he can give them authority. And actually the Bible tells us that God has given us authority, that all authority from heaven has been given to us. And he says the same things that you have done, Jesus said, that you, can, I, you can do, the same things that Jesus did, you and I can do, and even greater that God has given us the king of the universe. This is so cool, folks. Don't miss this. The king of the universe, God himself, has given you authority. He's given you the badge. He's given you the gun. He's given you the authority in his name to do his mission to see this world changed. But then here's the cool. Without authority, authority in and of itself is great, but it's this, it's the power that changes everything. See, there's a lot of people who say they have authority, but they don't use that authority in any meaningful way, so there's no power behind it. There's people who, who will have a lot of power, or self-appointed power, right? I can do this, I can go to this place or whatever, but they don't have any authority. And so power without authority is meaningless, and authority without any power is meaningless. And God says, I'm the king and I give you all of these. Just like Father went to identity and identity went to obedience, after you know the Father, after relationship comes responsibility. Now, why I'm going to leave that here. Why am I talking about this? What's this all about? Well, I said at the very beginning, or towards the beginning, if you are just doing the out, but you have no relationship with God, or no relationship with other followers of Christ, then you're not living out your true identity. You're doing good things but you're not in relationship with the Father. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And God so designed us, and this is when you see the, the, arc, the overarching strands of Scripture, that it all starts with relationship, and then out of the relationship, we are to live in responsibility. A lot of Christians, I'll be honest, we, we get the relationship part, I think we get really messed up on the identity part, which means that we don't obey properly, and we never understand and live out the responsibility. That's why some of you watching are so turned off by Christians, because they just keep telling you what to not to do and, and, keep, and make fun of the things you do do that they don't, aren't into, but you don't see them do anything. They're like, dude, like, you said... You don't line up with what the Bible says. That's why a lot of people say, well, I like what Jesus had to say. I like what Jesus did, but I'm not sure about Christians. It's because followers of Christ, we've missed it. We get so focused just on a relationship, we don't understand a responsibility. And I think on the other side, those of you who are watching maybe who are, who are turned off by Christianity, turned off by church or had a bad experience or angry with God, whatever the case might be, many of you are living out some responsibility because you realize that just common sense says, I got to take care of things. I got to help people have better lives. I got to help this world be a better place. But you feel so lost, void, and empty, even though you're doing those good things, because you don't have the relationship. See, the reality of why the environment is so important is it always affects the poor. 
the poor always take the brunt of anything that goes awry. They're like the first ones who feel this. In fact, I came across several statistics that were pretty alarming. It said that one-third of the earth's soil, one-third of the earth's soil is now unfit for growing food because of the overuse of fertilizers and waste disposal practices. One-third is not usable. Twenty major cities around the world have air pollution indexes so high that government officials are encouraging citizens to wear breathing masks, and this is, has nothing to do with the mask thing. This was pre-COVID, to and from work. And now, I, Justin, my wife and I have experienced this firsthand. Our, we adopted our children from Bogota, Colombia, and when we spent several weeks in that process in Bogota, and people, a lot of people were wearing masks. In fact, get this, both our children were on asthma inhalers or inhalers when we adopted them and for the first several months. And after a couple months here in the States, the inhalers were gone. That just shows you that air quality was so poor. Now it is a higher elevation, but the, the air quality was so poor in that city. And Bogota is a city of about 10 million people, about the size of Chicago, was so poor that children were on and breathing inhalers because it affected their lungs. The poor are the poor. Did you know that rainforests that once covered 14% of the earth and are key to the entire global ecosystem have been reduced from 14% to 6% and the number goes down every year. Every year, more oceans, rivers, lakes, and streams are polluted, compromising the drinking water of up to a billion people. See, I don't know if you ever connected dots. I didn't until I started doing research, until I start, God really started kind of moving my heart for this. That the poor around this world, and I'm so guilty of this, I get so focused sometimes just on the USA, just on the town I live in, just on the street I live on, just the people I know, and maybe, we don't see that. Our water's fine, our, our uh, air is, is solid, all that kind of stuff. But did you know that the most vulnerable and the poorest are always the ones most affected by environmental issues. Now, if you really reflect and think about that, you're probably like, yeah, that does make sense. Um, think about all the countries in this world who have uh, dangerous drinking water. And there are great organizations and great people who are going and putting in these, in these filtration systems but every day people die from bacteria and from uh, disease brought on by environmental factors. In fact, I read this somewhere, someone said this, I have to care because it's the Father's world. I have to care, this was a Jesus father, I've got to care because it's my Father's world. Every decision I make, every energy decision I make, every pollution decision I make, potentially downstream could affect people in the developing and poor world. Now, I don't know what that all looks like for you. I'm still processing, I'll just be honest, I'm still processing what this looks like for me, but I think it's not always having everything figured out, but it's having a realization that this is what God talks about and that I have some role to play. I'm probably never gonna be the most passionate person in the world about the environment. 
God puts each of us, puts passions in our heart. I am passionate about starting new churches and reaching lost people. I am passionate about kids without families. That's what God's put in, with, in within me. But here's the deal, folks. Just because I'm not passionate about a lot of other things, or those aren't my top two passions, doesn't mean I don't have, what, a responsibility. I think for some reason, I don't know why we think that. Like, okay, I'm not passionate about maybe volunteering at, at soup kitchens, per se, but someone else is. And here's one thing I want to challenge you with today. What has God laid on your heart as your responsibility? If you are in relationship with him, if you know the Father and you know his identity and you're obeying out of that identity that's been brought in within you, then what are you doing? What is it that, I don't care if you're 85 years old or if you're 25 years old or if you're 15 years old watching today, you, as long as you're here breathing, you have something you're supposed to be doing. And I truly believe that God puts some passion into each of us, one wrong in this world that he's calling you and I to make right. And for some of you, frankly, it is going to be the environment. That's the passion. You are to lead the charge, not out of just responsibility, but because you know what the Bible says, and you're going to lead out of the, out of the relationship to make a difference in this world. That is your responsibility. And if you don't take that responsibility, then you're not actually obeying. Now, I don't know about you. One thing, even I was thinking about this with nature and with the environment. I connect with God so much in nature. Anyone else? Hands up, maybe, you know, an emoji, hands in the air or whatever. Right? I mean, can anyone else relate just so much in nature? I, I, when I'm at the ocean, when I'm at in the mountains, when I'm just out for a walk on a nice day, water. Anytime I see water, it just, I feel good. I feel calm. I feel relaxed. I've had so many times with God and where God spoke in truth to me. Through, through by being in nature. My soul is calm, my mind is refreshed, I don't know. But I've never, I can't remember any encounter with God, any aha ah ah God moment at a toxic waste dump or when I'm at a lake and I see a dead fish floating around because I can tell that that's contaminated water. <laughs> I mean, I, it sounds funny, but it, it's true, right? I mean, there's something, actually scripture tells us even the heavens declare the glory of God. The evidence that God exists just as his creation. And so it reminds me once again, even though I'm on this early on this journey, to be frank with you, I realize that I connect with God so much in the beauty of his creation. Why would I not then want to play some role as whatever I could do to help see his creation continue to be beautified so that more people, uh, whether they know Christ or not, but if they don't know Christ, would have an encounter with him because of his creation. If you know Christ, you would have subsequent account encounters. Now, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to go, I had jotted down a list of all kinds of different things of, of, of saving electricity and all kinds of different things. I'm like, no. Here's what I just simply want you to do today. Ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, which is God's presence and power, ask God what you're supposed to do. You don't need me putting a list together uh, you don't need that. You need to ask God, God, is there something I'm, what am I supposed, there, there is something, but God, what am I supposed to do? What are you, what, how am I supposed to play a role? Maybe for some of you, it's taking this seriously, and for the first time, quit mocking people who are doing this, even though you don't agree where their starting point is, and you ask God to help you 
start to have better conversations. Maybe it's something tangible. For some of you, this is your sweet spot. This is the calling God's put for you, and you need to do something about it. Remember this. The core of Christianity is what? Resurrection. Resurrection of humanity and resurrection of his creation. Romans 8 tells us this. Romans 8 19 through 23, I'll just read it, it won't be on the screen, it says this. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. And I'm going to end with this. Colossians 1, 19 through 20, you'll see it on your screen. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, reconcile to himself all things, all things created, this world and the inhabitants there within that he reconciles, and there's a resurrection of all things. I want to close today. We're going to close in prayer, but I'm actually, our, our prayer focus is going to be, and we're going to go into a song. That song is called Sea of Victory. And actually, my prayer today is not actually on this topic. Uh, we, in the last two months at the Valley Church, uh, and I know many of you watching, some of you watching today, we have, we have seen a lot of death. Uh, many of you, there's so many of you have lost parents. I've been in ministry, full-time vocational ministry for 10 years now, and I have not seen this, amount, the, this number of, of people who have died, especially parents, grandparents for some of you, in the last two months. Um, we have several right now who are, hospice has been called in. Some, uh, some of these um, deaths are COVID, from COVID. Others are from other illnesses. A lot um, kind of are expediated I, that, through the isolation, I think, and just the, the lack of being, maybe even getting medical care. I don't know. But there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of grieving. And so um, our heart, Jess and I, our hearts grieve with you. We're, we're so sorry you're going through this. And when we talk about resurrection and the, the hope that we have in heaven if we're a follower of Christ, um, that song that will be after my prayer of Sea of Victory, I pray today that that would maybe be a song that brings some healing to you uh, and especially a song that can bring some hope to you. So I just want to pray for you as we uh, go into uh, song this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you're, you, you are the source of all comfort. You're the source of all peace. You're the source of everything that we need and that you, you tell us that you are near the brokenhearted. And God, I pray right now for those watching who have lost a mom or a dad or a grandmother or a grandfather or a sibling or an aunt or an uncle. And he's not just the last couple months, but this last year. God, I pray that they would, they would sense you so near to them, that they would feel your presence in a way they've never felt before that it would be so powerful. God, if there's people watching who don't know you, who have lost a loved one, that they would just, in this time, know that there is a God just by 
the, the supernatural work that you're doing in their heart and in their mind and the peace that you tell us does surpass human understanding. And so, God, I pray that this song that we go into, that the band's leading us in of Sea of Victory, God, we would claim that. We would claim that there's victory in Jesus. There's victory in Jesus because death will no longer hold the, the full reign over us and that we can have hope in Christ, hope in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.